So we turn into Luke chapter 7, and we are reading from verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. beautiful scene in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's very easy for us to transport ourselves our imagination into what took place in this house on that day so I'll read the whole chapter first and then we'll, just, we'll talk about it one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman it is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, the other fifty. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, and he said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Then he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now we need to just talk a little bit about in the beginning about hospitality, Jewish hospitality, because it's important in the context of what we've just read. Jewish hospitality, they call it the Shabbat, and it's how to host a dinner. And the hosting of the dinner is specifically for strangers. They have an open door for strangers. They base it on the fact of Abraham, who, remember, two angels and the Lord Jesus Christ, came to Abraham's tent and Abraham received them, treated them well, washed their feet, etc., etc., and made a meal for them. That's what they base it upon. So it says in the Bible, some have entertained angels unaware. 
That was certainly true of Abraham, because two of them were angels. One of them was the Lord. And it's, it's interesting that they have this. It's for strangers. Now, we wouldn't do this today in our society, would we? We wouldn't expect a perfect stranger to walk into your house while you're having dinner. Uh, we don't have an open door like that, do we? But if believers came, and we know that they are believers, we've got an instant connection with believers, and we would embrace them and invite them into our home. Well, not a total stranger, would we? No. Um, and it's, it's good that we do this. In modern days, we do things, don't we, different. I have my friends Anita and Mitch that always call me down for lunch, which they have prepared lovingly for me. And when you walk into their house, you'll get a hug, yes, which is nice. You will get a pair of slippers for your feet, because that's one of their traditions of Romania. They will provide you with slippers. And you leave your shoes at the door, yes, and that's nice. Now, you, I've got a posh pair of slippers off them, but you can get these, like, little flimsy ones that still act as a slipper. And you can buy them in the shop and give them to your guests. So they'll have that. They'll probably, you know, take your coat to make you feel comfortable, and they'll have a tea ready, and they'll prepared a wonderful meal for you to have fellowship with. And that's wonderful hospitality, isn't it? If you came to my house, you probably wouldn't get much hospitality whatsoever. <laughs> you might get a cup of tea, but there'll be no coffee. Uh, there'll be no sugar for the tea. <laughs> if you had tea and your sugar, uh, you probably wouldn't get a, a sponsor, you know, a marvelous meal off me because it can't go that far, really. So. <laughs> So I'm just grateful that other people call me out and take me to dinner, which is nice. <laughs> However, I can still take people to restaurants and treat them to dinner in that context as well. So hospitality is wonderful. Um, and in the context of what we're reading now with Simon the Pharisee's house, apparently these, these instances were open house, yes? Because it, it clearly tells us there was other guests in this house. But Simon invited Jesus. And other people can come in. While they're reclining at dinner, and they did recline, they, they laid down to have dinner, uh, which we don't do, do we? We sit down to it, but they reclined. And there's other people can come in and listen to the conversation while they're having their dinner, which is quite weird, isn't it? So other people could have been in there hearing what is going on. The whole story is a tale of wonderful grace and it's, as a quote from Darby, it is pure, it is plenary, I mean that's full and complete pardoning grace. It's a tale of pardoning grace. Pardon, receiving it, having perfect peace knowing forgiveness which then produces love in our hearts. That's what the whole emphasis here on this thing. Now it says, one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. And Jesus actually said, yes, I will come into your home and I will eat with you. Now we know Jesus' history with the Pharisees. He's not impressed with Pharisees, is he? He has some strong words to say about Pharisees. 
He actually calls this one by name. He's called Simon, which is interesting. So, Pharisees desire come and eat with me, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Then we have this woman. We don't know her name. It just says a woman in the city who was a sinner. We don't know her name. We don't know the manner of her sins. Some would say she may be a prostitute. We don't, not really told that either. But she's notoriously known. The people in this house know that this woman is a notorious sinner. And she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house and she's got an alabaster box of precious ointment with her and she's just waiting the time and the opportunity to go in. Now if you put yourself in the shoes of this woman, you know, that just said other people can come into this open house. They would not expect a woman of this manner to come into their house. Yes. And I can imagine this woman, I can see her outside the door with her alabaster box of ointments and she's pacing the floor as it were, she's going up and down and she's just needs to know, she knows that Jesus is in there, that's where she wants to be. Yes. And it would take a great amount of courage for her to go into that room with that alabaster box. Because everybody would know who and what manner of woman she is. But she goes in there, she comes behind Jesus because they're reclining. She's weeping, which is an indication of her repentance. She is at the feet of Jesus. She's anointing his feet and she's wiping his feet with the hair of her tears. Wonderful thing, isn't it? You can imagine the horror and the, of all those who are around seeing her do this thing. But she's not focused on Simon the Pharisee. She's not focused on anyone else in that room. Her focus is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who she's come in for. Now she has some perception of who Jesus is. She hasn't got the same perceptions that we've got today with all the things we know of our Lord Jesus Christ and all his character and his beauty and everything else. She might have limited perception, but she has perception that this man saves sinners. That's why she's there. Yeah? She knows herself to be a great sinner. And she kissed his feet and she anointed him with the ointment, which is very, very refreshing, isn't it? We know another part of scripture, don't we? Of Mary of Bethany, who anointed the Lord Jesus Christ. There's three references to Mary of Bethany. Uh, a wonderful thing that she did for the Lord, which would be a, an everlasting memorial of her for the deed she did of the Lord that day. It's in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. In the Synoptic Gospels, it tells you all about the qualities of Mary of Bethany and anointed the Lord. In John chapter 12... There's another reference to Mary and Bethany. And the only difference there is this occasion took place in the house of Simon the leper. Yeah. And in that house was Lazarus. In that house was Simon the leper, obviously. And Mary was serving and Martha. 
Martha was serving, sorry, Mary anointed him with precious ointment in the house of Simon the leper. Jesus loved to be in Bethany, didn't he? He loved this family. He tells us in the Bible he loved this family of Bethany. And it was a place of peace for him. It was a place of rest for him. And very shortly, he's not going to have much peace or rest because he's going to be taken and crucified <coughs> and slain. So he would have treasured those last movements with them. There's another instance in John chapter 8, verse 6, where the Jews are deliberately trying to trap Jesus. And by trapping them, they know there's a woman who is actually in the act of adultery, and they come and grab her out the house, and they present her before the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting that they do not bring the man who is equally as guilty. They don't bring the man because they bring the woman, because they're trying to put pressure on the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're saying to Jesus, by the law, she should be stoned. Yeah? She needs to be stoned to death. Now Jesus is very, very astute and very clever and at first he didn't speak anything. So they kept complaining. And he wrote in the ground with his finger. Nobody knows what he's written on the ground, yes? We might know when we get to heaven, but no one actually knows what he actually written. But he was writing in the ground. And then he, st he stood up and said a wonderful line, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says from the oldest of them to the youngest, one by one, they walked away because they knew they're not without sin. And the woman was left alone. And the Lord Jesus said to her, where are thine accusers? Has no one accused thee? She says, no one, Lord. She says, neither do I accuse thee. He didn't condone the sin, but he said, go, sin no more. Slightly different with this one. He said to this woman, you are forgiven. And he said to this woman who was a sinner, go in peace. She went home with a wonderful peace. Now Simon the Pharisee is, is, is speaking to himself. He spake with himself and said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman it is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner. He's thinking that in his own thoughts, yes? He's not saying it verbally. But remember, every thought we have in our head, Jesus knows it. Doesn't he? He knows everything we are thinking, even if we're not saying it. He knows what we are thinking. And he knows what Simon is thinking. Simon is a Pharisee. We're not quite sure of his motive, why he wanted to invite Jesus. His motive might be to maybe trap him with words and things, but we're not quite sure what his motive is. But certainly they, he did not have any perception of who Christ is. None. Right? 
the Son of God, manifest in flesh, was sitting in Simon's house. He had no love for him, like this woman had. He had no light as to who he was. He even doesn't think he's a prophet. That's how far he goes. He's not even a prophet. So he, hasn't, he knows nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ in this context. He would have known who and what manner of, of woman this is. Now obviously he does know who and what manner of woman this is. He knows all about this woman. And that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? His heart has gone out in grace and in mercy and in forgiveness to this woman. And this is why Jesus came into the world, to save sinners. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And he gives this lovely parable of the creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, one owed 50 pence. The denarii, which is their coinage, uh, is one denarii is a year's wages. So it's a lot of money, isn't it? 500 denarii is much more. So he says to him, and when they had nothing to pay, they didn't, they had nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both and said, tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon got the right answer. He said, I suppose that he whom forgave us most. And he said, thou hast rightly judged. And then he says, he turned to the woman and he said, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. That's bad in the context of Jewish hospitality. Yeah, hospitality, not hospitality. Hospitality. Right? You wash feet of your people who are coming into your house, yes? Or the servants would wash their feet to wash the dirt of their feet. Jesus didn't get that courtesy. He wasn't even giving him courtesy. He says, she has wiped my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. So that's another thing they might have done in those days. That they, would, they would come in and kiss. Yeah. And my head thou didst anoint with oil. But this woman hath anointed my feet with oil. So the oil is for refreshment, isn't it? If someone puts some fragrance on you, it is refreshing you. Like Mary of Bethany refreshed the Lord Jesus Christ with the ointment that she gave him before his going forth to Calvary's cross. Therefore I say unto her, sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. So what do you know about this woman? She came with a great burden of sin. Uh, and this is a lovely context, isn't it? This burden of sin. It's something we're missing, I think, in the Gospels these days that we preach and what we're expecting from those who hear the Gospel. There's no conviction, is there? You don't see that conviction of sin, that repentance we don't see much of. 
We don't see people with that burden of sin resting upon their hearts. There's some lovely context in Psalm 38. And this is David. It's a psalm of David. It's a psalm of David which had a great burden of sin. He says in verse 4, For mine iniquities are gone over my head as an heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Yes? And in verse 18 of that same psalm, he says, I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. I can imagine this woman who was a sinner having the same type of burden. Her iniquities have gone over her head and her burdens are too heavy and she is sorry and repentant for her sin. Now this context also, we can see in that verse 4, it's a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him was no sin. He did no sin. He knew no sin. But on that cross of Calvary, the burden of our sin was laid upon him. And he could therefore say, My iniquities have gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. None could carry that burden, could they? Well, all of us are debtors to great, to grace. All of us. We have nothing to pay, have we? Nothing. He's paid the price of our redemption by his precious blood. And when we see this burden of Jesus upon the cross and his suffering upon the tree, dying there for our sins, bearing our sins in his own body on the tree, being bruised, crushed. That's what that means. That we might be healed, spiritually healed. Colossians chapter 2 tells us, doesn't he? He paid the debt in full. The debt paid in full. We have the forgiveness of sins, the joy of salvation, because the guilt and the debt is paid in full. Isn't that wonderful? Of our Saviour and his love to us. It's a great blessing, isn't it, to have that weight of the burden of sin taken out of your life, the weight of guilt taken out of your life. Because we know we have redemption in our Lord Jesus Christ, paid with his own blood. Now, sometimes uh, there's, there's greater sinners than others, isn't there? But there's sometimes when you can look back, sometimes people look back upon their sinful past. Probably not a good idea to dwell upon your sinful past because it's been dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ in the cross. Move on. Don't be taking yourself back into depression thinking, 
I did all this in my past, I did all this. All that burden of sin has been paid for. And you are free. You are forgiven. Now some people might doubt, am I really forgiven? Because I've been so bad. Am I really forgiven? Yes, you are. There's promises in the Bible that tells us sin is forgiven. Psalm 103. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That is wonderful grace, is it not? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is wonderful. Micah says, he will subdue our iniquities. He will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Jeremiah says, I will remember their sins no more. We're getting the message, aren't we? All these things are said. You've got to believe this. You've got to take it to heart that this is God's promise to you. Don't, he doesn't want you getting depressed going over the past. You move on into the future. And Hezekiah, he says, he's cast all my sins behind his back, out of sight. So these are the things, you know, of, that sin is forgiven. And Jesus said to this woman, you are forgiven. And then some spake up, don't they? Who is this that forgiveth sins? He has the authority to forgive sins. Talked about the man on the roof, didn't we? We prayed about that man on the roof who came through and wanted to be healed and Jesus healed him. And he said, thy sins are forgiven you. They said the same thing then. Who is this that forgives sins? Jesus forgives sins. Jesus has a wonderful character towards sinners. He's holy, separate from sinners. But he was with sinners. He came to save sinners. He had a beautiful character in that sense, didn't he? And he loves us. And he loves us very, very much. You know, this woman, she came to faith, she came to Jesus in faith when she came into that house. She was saved by that faith. She came weeping, which we said is her repentance. She's come to show her appreciation of Jesus. And there's a big question for us all, isn't it? How much do we appreciate of Jesus at this present time in our hearts, in our lives? That appreciation of Jesus should be ginormous, shouldn't it? Absolutely. She was showing her appreciation. Yes, she would have felt that contempt and disapproval of her life, of those other people in the room, but as we've said, she was focused on the Lord Jesus. 
And the, and the scripture says, she loved much because she was forgiven much. And then there's another question for Izzy. How much do we love our Lord Jesus? Now that's the breadth, the height, the depth, isn't it? There's the breadth and the height and the depth of his love to us is the breadth and height and depth to our love for him. And we demonstrate that love and every time we break bread and we have this wonderful service in the morning. He's in our minds, he's in our focus, isn't he? You've got to get in that focus when we have the collective worship. If you've fallen asleep or you've lost interest, you're not in that moment, you're not in that focus of thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done. That's why this is so beautiful. He loved much. She loved much. He loves as much. He who has little appreciation will probably love little. But isn't it wonderful this great debt has been paid for us. Now we don't know what happened to this woman. She went out. We do know that she went out with a perfect peace and we can have a perfect peace with our Lord. What happened to her after she went out? We have no idea. Right? But we would hope that after the crucifixion of Christ she may have ended up among the Lord's people. Which would be good, wasn't it? What happened to Simon, the Pharisee? We don't know. Whether he was saved or not, we don't know. I think Jesus was trying to convict him from the parable that he showed them. And in no doubt he thought himself, I'm only a 50%, 50, 50 debtor. <laughs> Not a 500 debtor, because he wouldn't think he was sinner like that one. We, we don't know. It might have convicted his heart. It might have made him turn at a future date to the Lord Jesus Christ. But our Lord Jesus is in the business of saving sinners. And he would appreciate it, what that woman did. Remember the Lord Jesus holy. Simon the Pharisee is thinking, you know, he's defiling you. She is defiling you by touching you. He's not thinking that, is he? He's thinking of the act that she is doing and her focus on him. It's a wonderful portion of scripture. Jesus is all about grace. He's all about love. It's all about forgiveness. And we can give thanks for that. That we are so preciously loved. And we have been saved at a great cost to himself. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank thee again that thou didst send our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world.
We thank thee we see the beauty of his person and the glory of his work in everything he did here on earth. We thank thee that we need to be moved by all the suffering that he went through in love to us, but he suffered right unto the end. We thank thee that we're in his embrace. We're forever his. We thank thee for the peace of forgiveness. We thank thee for the time when we shall see him face to face. We give thanks for this. We give thanks now for our fellowship together and the provisions that are being provided. May we be blessed in thy presence in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.